Hello and welcome to The Northern Connection, a podcast celebrating books and writing. We are Rachel, Emma, Rebecca and me, Jules, four Northern-based book lovers who love getting together to chat about books. In this episode, we catch up with Arla Owen, author of Pa and the Lost Thumb. Hope you enjoy. Paula Rowan is a writer who has published two novels, The Lost Thumb and Pa. She also writes short stories and was a silver medalist in the Sandstone Press Short Fiction Prize. Supporting women in writing is important to her and she has worked as an assistant to the author Kerry Hudson at the Woe Mentoring Project, which mentors women in writing. So welcome to the Northern Connection, Orla. We're all great fans of your writing and find you to be such a positive and supportive presence on book Twitter. We're delighted to have you on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's so lovely to be here. Um, I've listened to all your podcasts, so I'm really honoured to be here talking to you today. Can you tell us a little about Path, which is your most recent novel? Sure. Um, Path is about the relationship between three flawed characters um, called Susan, Jeffrey, and Calton. And Susan is the sort of dominant character and she feels very trapped in her life and she's um, had a damaged upbringing and she's very angry with life. And she is sort of trapped as a woman in life too. So she uses the men to try and manipulate them to try and create a different future, but it doesn't quite go as planned. And it's a prequel to my first novel, which was called The Lost Thumb. Um, but you don't have to have read that to read this and vice versa. It's fabulous. Thank you. And where does your inspiration come from? Um, I think just people and how they behave and um, how they react to different situations. And um, I, I look at, I watch people a lot in the sense that of, of what's going on in their head that's not what they're saying or if they're saying one thing but they mean something else. And um, and then I listen to music a lot and I go running listening to music and I often have um, ideas and think about characters then. So if, if I'm listening to a song, I can, and especially new songs, within about sort of 10 or 20 seconds, I'll know if it makes me really feel something. And um, often characters or a, just a snippet of a story will come from that and then that's it, I'll be off with it. Do you feel you have themes that you re- return to again and again? Um, yeah, I think so. I think um, children and teenagers. Um, I actually wrote, uh, after I wrote Pan the Lost Thumb, which with some other sort of words, were almost one really long book actually at first. Um, I wrote three young adult novels as well, and I'm working on a first draft of one at the moment. So I think um, childhood and, and being a teenager and how that affects you in life is something that I think a lot about. And um, it's and anger as well, when, when people are angry, why and um, what is it that's made them angry? And is it this moment in time? You know, if you see someone... Or if you yourself are angry in the car or impatient in a shop, is it that moment that's making you angry or was it something earlier on that and that made you feel like that? So, um, yeah, but very much, um, yeah, children and teens and how they feel and how their life is affected by those years. Yeah, that's really interesting because it's such a, it is such a formative time, isn't it? And such a volatile time. 
And actually, with everything that's gone on recently, I think our teenagers have really suffered from everything that's gone on through COVID. And it will be interesting to see how that affects this generation moving forward. Yeah. And they're super resilient, aren't they? I think I think um, I have a lot of time for teenagers and all. My, I've got two teenage daughters and all their friends as well. And, and lots of them, not lots of them, but some of them, you know, have really big things going on their li- in their lives that others won't know about. And when you're a teen, you might tell one or two friends, but you don't or you might tell no one. Um, but you just get on and, and a lot of teenagers become adults quite quickly if they're in homes that are unhappy and things yeah. like that. And, and yeah, and I think with COVID, they're super resilient and they do just get on with it, don't they? But also, yeah, things will affect them and sort of they'll find, you know, it'll be hard. Um, but they want to have fun as well more than anything, yeah. usually, don't they? Yeah. And, and often I think when you're, when you're um, younger, you, you're, you're sort of tra- trapped at home if it's an unhappy home. <laughs> you. And then um, it's not till you go to other houses uh, or maybe to go start going for sleepovers or you know sort of forming your own opinions about things that you might go oh god it, it, not every house is like my house or not every parent is like yeah. my parents are and I think that's a really interesting time that's when a person starts to become who they are you know yeah absolutely yeah and um, what prompted you to self-publish your book when you felt the time was right well, I'd, I'd held off for years because um, I think it's it can be quite frowned upon and I was really unsure. And um, I think in my heart, I thought if I did self-publish, it would be almost a failure rather than an achievement. But um, I'd got to the point in my writing, I think I'd been doing it for about eight or nine years. And um, lots of people had said, oh, why don't you self-publish? You know, there's this tool out there now, you know, you can put work out there yourself. And um, I had a meeting with an editor of a big publishing house, which was great. And I was getting advice from her. And there were two things that came out of that meeting. And one of them was I'd been saving up a sum of money for a writing course. And um, and they're pretty expensive. There was the Curtis Brown one or the Faber one. And she said, don't spend the money on that. There's, you know, your writing isn't at a stage where it would gain anything from that. And I think with those courses, I thought, oh, that'd be great because I'd meet a literary agent or just sort of meet other writers as well. And then the other thing she said just in, in passing when we were chatting was that, um, whether she decides or the company decides to publish a book can can depend on the day they get it. So she could get a book on a Wednesday and if she'd have got it two weeks ago, she'd have published it. But because she got it on this Wednesday afternoon, her list is full and so she wouldn't publish it. But if she got it in three months, she might have published it. And the impression I got was, and I think I asked, was even if you really love it, surely then, you know, you'll just publish it. But she said timing really was everything. And I was on the train home and it just really got to me a bit and I just thought my god that is so random and I work so hard on you know as lots of writers do on top of a job on top of perhaps being a parent or other responsibilities as a carer and I just thought I don't want to be do or do I want to be at the mercy of that so I really looked into self-publishing and I just thought I'll put it out there, I'll try, and the worst that can happen is nothing, and it just, you know, sort of nothing happens with it, and it'll just be interesting to see what people think. Um, I knew it would be a challenge, because it's not a book, uh, The Lost Thumb was the first book I published, and it didn't fit neatly into a genre for romance, or sci-fi, or um, historical fiction, or thrillers, so um, I knew that would be a challenge, but it was probably 
my most unique book so I thought um, I was curious by then to see what would people think of it and and that's why I did it. So what advice would you give to somebody who was considering self-publishing? Um, I think the main thing would be if you've decided right I'm definitely I'm going to do this I'm going to try would be look at how other people have done it that you think have done it well and you know the the internet and twitter and social media a lot of it's about sharing knowledge and people enjoy sharing that you know so um look and learn what you can um i would say so do your research um then when you've decided to do it don't rush um don't think i've got to get it out there in the next month take your time make sure the book really is the best it can be make sure the blurb is really good um get a opinions from other people about the blurb if you can different people um for me uh i'd saved up money for the course that i used to publish uh, the two books the most money i spent which i think was really worth it every penny was on a really good cover um by a designer called um uh jenny and she's sort of on my twitter and on the cover and she's really really good and also on typesetting because i knew i didn't have the time to, and i didn't have the knowledge to do that well enough so um i found a really good typesetter as well um i would say with the marketing for me i looked at there's a lot of advice for self-published authors or um saying do what the big companies do and do what publishers do and i read that and i just thought for me I don't see the point in that because, especially with my first book, because no one's heard of me, no one's going to know. And I also didn't feel that confident. I, I think if I'd have had a publishing company behind me, I'd have gone, yeah, my God, yeah, look at this. But I just didn't have that confidence um, at that point either. So um, I took it really slowly. So I started small. And the main thing I relied on was people enjoying the book and sort of word of mouth or word of Twitter or word of Instagram. Um, I use Twitter much more than Instagram, really. And then also um, book bloggers were amazing. And if they liked it, that was fantastic. And I did pay for a blog tour, which was really good value. And, and that was good. But that wasn't until it had been out about seven months. So um, slowly, slowly with all the marketing for me, it was let it build through word of mouth and hope people enjoy it. And then suddenly someone like um, Jules Swain, who's your friend enjoyed it and Ronan Hessian enjoyed it. And that was a real turning point for it because suddenly people go, oh, well, if they like it, what is this book? I'll read it. So I was so grateful and so happy that they enjoyed it because that made a huge difference. And then when Pa came out, I did do more pre sort of launch stuff. But again, I did it much smaller and, and more quietly than other people would. Um, so, yeah, and, and just try and you'll have self-doubt try and lose that and I've actually this is the first time I've really sort of talked about self-publishing I've not really made it known that I've put them out there myself because I felt it would be sort of prejudged and I, I didn't want that to happen I just wanted to see you know if they sort of um what is it swim or sink sank or swim oh god yeah. anyway by themselves yeah so you can tell them good with words can't you so uh, yeah so, anyway so yeah and enjoy the positives I think I think that's a big thing and just when when I get a bit stressed about it I think well hang on this is a choice you know step back don't worry and if you were a musician or if you're a jewelry designer, you would be using the internet to put your work out there. So stop putting quite so much pressure on yourself and try and enjoy it. And the best thing that's happened, which is wonderful. I mean, if I hadn't self-published, I wouldn't be talking to you. 
and and you guys I wouldn't have gone on the radio to talk about my book I wouldn't have talked to too fond of books and done an Instagram live last week I did um, a book club and it was so lovely meeting the book people at the book club so all those things wouldn't have happened so you have to go yay brilliant really enjoy this as well and and see it as a fun thing to do yeah, it's fascinating because I, I haven't spoken to anyone before about self-publishing. So it just sheds a whole new light on um, on the industry. Um, and I didn't realise I didn't realise that you'd self-published for ages afterwards. And I, and I felt quite surprised when I found out that you had. I think you've, you've done an amazing job at, at uh, marketing it and promoting it. Uh, I'm, I'm really pleased you didn't because I wouldn't have wanted you to have known a difference. And that mm. was aim so yeah brilliant I'm really pleased and and I think it is I think I think it is even now me saying this to you I go oh god will that put people off reading it or you know it might make people think well I'm not going to read that um read it don't <laughs> open yeah, absolutely mouth. read it <laughs> so yeah and and yeah. if anyone you know is thinking of doing it and wants advice just get in touch with me and I'm so happy to chat because I can share the knowledge you know that's Thank what it's you. about that's brilliant. And um, just then in terms of distribution, um, how does that work? I mean, was it difficult to try to get your book into bookshops? Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, basically. So the first book, The Lost Thumb, I only did through Amazon. Um, mm. And then that did really well for me. Anyway, I thought it did well. And then when the uh, power was coming out there were a lot of people asking getting in touch saying i don't want to use amazon which i completely understand can i get it through bookshops so i did a print run with a company called clays and it's distributed through gardeners financially that's been a lot less good because i had to put money up front and um i've still got books that i need to sell type thing in a box whereas with amazon you they print on demand and the ebooks obviously they they make more money actually the ebooks as well so um yes the bookshops i was very lucky last year two bookshops i think i only contacted about eight two agreed to stock it but because it's through gardeners and clays it's available on all the websites and i know for a fact foils and waterstones and blackwells sold copies and verse books some of the people who like my books buy through them so that was really brilliant so it's all available at at all the same price through those and I've really encouraged people to buy from independent booksellers as well Mm -hmm. um so yeah that's how I do that part of it but it was a bit more complex this time um by getting a print run done yeah so I mean is it possible to order them from your own website as well it's more I haven't got it set up with a shopping trolley but I've got a link tree of like get in touch with me and you can buy one directly and I actually that's something where when I talk about you you can feel a bit like you've spread yourself too thinly sometimes so you're focusing on writing the next book and then you're sort of promoting your one and I don't know about you and social media but sometimes I feel I need to be in an up mood to do it so Mm -hmm. Yeah. you just feel a bit quiet and a bit tired so I when I feel like that again I have to remind myself this is a choice step away it's, it's not because it's doing my head in it's just I've got a lot going on in life that needs my energy so it's yeah. like you can step away and not tweet for a couple of days that's fine let yourself do that remain sane you know so um I can't remember the question you asked me. <laughs> oh, it was embarrassed if we wanted to, but you know, if somebody. Oh, yeah. To. So, yeah. So I haven't been as good at promoting that the book can be bought directly, but that is literally on my to do list. Every week I have a to do list and it keeps getting put to the next week. 
and the next week. And that's another one of those things I think that's confidence. You have to be in a confident mood to go, hey, guy, you know, I'd love it if you'd buy the book directly type thing. So, um, yeah. So I think you can, yeah, you can buy it in all avenues, really. Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> Do you have a go-to writer whose work you really love? And I don't have one. I've I've never had one band I really loved or one writer, but I have I have a few. So Anne Patchett, um, Tim mm-hmm. Winton, I really love his writing. Um, writers I've discovered over the last few years through Twitter, actually. Um, so Diane Setterfield, I think mm, yeah. ever here, she's had got a book coming out. I'm like, I want to read it. Ronan Hessian, his two books, they're so gentle and, and sort of witty and and sort of I really admire that sort of writing Gillian Flynn I think her voice for thrillers I like reading loads of different types of books um Britt Bennett really like her writing yeah. so yeah I've just got lots that um, I enjoy yeah fantastic do you have a favorite book or one you'd like to recommend which has a northern connection whether it be a setting or an author I do. Um, I feel very fortunate that I sort of came across it. It's a publisher called Blue Moose and I'd read Leonard and Hungry Paul by Ronan Hessian and fallen in love with it. And then I read more about Blue Moose books and thought, well, I just want to read all of them because they just all were so different, but sounded so brilliant. So the second book I read that was published by them was called, um, and it was an older book. I can't, I'm not sure how many years ago it was published. And it was called The Secret to Not Drowning by Colette Snowden. And it just, I thought it was fantastic. It was right up my street, brilliant voice. Really, what I love with their books, they're really tightly edited. And this one is, there's no, I'd much rather have 50 pages less. And it's just so good, you know, and that's what this is. And um, I think Colette's in in Manchester, Colette Snowden. And I think she's a fantastic writer. Yeah, really good and beautiful book. Yeah, I have Captain Jesus, which I haven't managed to get to yet but i'm planning to <laughs> it's great yeah, yeah it's really good too so um she 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 takes your heart and twists it and oh. uh, in the most wonderful way yes <laughs> you have a day job as well yeah. i'm just wondering what your writing routine is um i'm lucky i work part-time so i usually work three days a week sometimes four so um now my kids are older i write generally write the other four days and about once a month I'll take a Sunday off so I'll do about four or five hours on each of those days Mm -hmm. and then um, I'll also write in the evenings after work um, after dinner and stuff and when the kids were younger I'd be writing at five in the morning you know just getting it in whenever you can and um And I remember, God, I always feel guilty, actually, because one holiday, I got a full agent request when we were on holiday. So I was like, I've got to do this thing. Oh, God, I need to be more perfect. And I spent, um, I spent like, literally stayed up for about 48 hours, you know, just going to bed for a few hours and going, take the kids out. We were in Wales. And I was like, I've got to do this. And the first, it was the first time I'd had a full manuscript request, so bless my naivety I really thought oh my god this is it it's gonna happen and, uh, you know and anyway so I spent all that time so I worked through the night for those two nights doing it and um yeah so just whenever I can really but I've tried to um now I've published these two books I find social media stuff can take up more time mm. um it's a mixed blessing that you sort of um it would be lovely to just write you know that's the joy is in the writing that's the exciting bit though to be honest one of the 
things I didn't know would happen through doing this is the amazing, lovely, lovely readers and book bloggers um, and writers that I've met through Twitter. I mean, that's just been such a joy. So I wasn't expecting that as well. But um, yeah, right. Whenever I can, basically, and nearly every day, I would say. Okay. What are you currently reading, Willa? Um well, I've just tonight, actually, I'm starting a Tim Winton book um, called The Shepherd's Hut. I've just had for the first time ever about a week where you I, I've not had this before. Where you pick up a book and put it down and pick up another one and put it down. And I couldn't find my mojo. So, um, yes, I'm returning to Tim Winton tonight. I think it's just it's all been a bit busy recently. So, yeah, I've read The Shepherd's Hut. I read it about two years ago, I think, for a book club. Did I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Oh, good. That's nice to know. I actually um, read a book. I've just, I did just finish a really brilliant book called The Southern Book Club's Guide to Slaying Vampires. Oh, I want to read Man. that. Oh, it's so good. Grady Hendrix. It's, yeah. Oh, he's really good at capturing the sort of suburbia and doing this twist on it. And oh, I think he writes with such, you know, when someone makes it seem easy, it just goes. Mm. Oh, I really recommend it. Yeah, great book. Right. Can you tell us what you're currently working on? Yeah, I'm um, I'm currently working on two books. Um, I've got one that I, I often I'll write a draft of a book and then put it away to stew for a few months and then come back to it. So I usually have a few books on the go at a time. Mm. So, um, yeah, one that's stewing is a, a sort of a fiction book and it's um, mainly set in West Wales. And it's um, about two sisters whose relationship becomes toxic after one of them inherits a lot of money. But um, there are lots of rules attached to the inheritance because it's, it's from a stranger and things sort of take a sinister turn. So it's not as not it's a very mixed blessing, it turns out to be. And um, the book I'm actually writing at the moment that I'm about two thirds through is a young adult novel. Um and it's quite a departure. It's it's about three. Well, there's always a bit of gloom. There's, it's about three siblings whose um, fathers just died. Their dads just died. But it's an uplifting tale. Um, uh, he was obsessed obsessed with zombies, and uh, all things mountains and navigation. And so, because of something in his past, he trained them up. Should a zombie apocalypse ever happen, <laughs> and then after he dies, guess what happened? Oh, <laughs> so they they go on this adventure uh, journey to Scotland which is where he told them they must go uh, to the wilds of Scotland and they pick up different characters along the way so that's what I'm working on and some short stories I'm doing a short story writing course with the word and um, on Wednesday evenings which is great fun so I'm really enjoying that nice and fab fantastic so Orla thank you so much for coming on the podcast it's been fascinating speaking to you about your books and about self-publishing and it's been an absolute pleasure Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's really wonderful to meet you. And uh, yeah, have a wonderful day. Well, you can like and subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Northern ConPod and on Instagram at The Northern Connection. Next month, we'll be back where our focus is going to be on short fiction. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to the Northern Connection. We are Rachel, Rebecca, Emma and me Jules, four Northern-based book lovers 
and we just love to talk about books. On this episode, we have Laura Besley, who's talking about her books and flash fiction writing. Hello and welcome to The Northern Connection, a monthly podcast about all things books. We are Rachel, Rebecca, Emma and me, Jules. This month we're talking to author Jennifer Saint about her books Ariadne and Electra, which is published next week. <laughs> 